conclusion that I've, I've really had enough of this. I think um, I think there's something else I can do, uh, do better than this. And how can we ask really incisive and insightful questions that can that can lead someone to their own conclusions and their own path? It's just recognizing you can't do all of this yourself, and it's actually it's okay to seek help from other people. Today on the Engaging Marketeer podcast, we've got John Drysdale from No Guru and Ascentive. John is a public speaker, trainer, coach, and mentor. And we worked with John many, many years ago on what was called the, the LEAD program at the time. It was one of the first coaching programs that we, we went on with Engage Web and thoroughly enjoyed it, got a lot of benefit from it. And John is a fantastic trainer and a fantastic speaker. So I'm really excited in talking to John today about what businesses can do to improve, what business leaders can do to improve, and how they can grow their business and how they can use training and coaching and mentoring to bounce ideas and solve problems that they have within their business. You mentioned in your early career that you you didn't have um, much sort of development as as a yeah yeah and you you sort of drifted from job to job not really knowing what you were doing or, or weren't really skilled for it. Yeah. What what was that like for you at the time? Yeah, thanks, Don. Yeah, really really interesting reflecting on that. I think we are shaped by our background, aren't we? And I think that I. I grew up in a sort of working class uh, home. My dad was a, a driver for um, uh, for BP and Shell, so he drove the the road tankers and worked very hard. And we, we lived in you know council properties for, for much of my early years. And um, and I think it was something maybe shaped expectation. Maybe um, I didn't expect great things uh, of of myself, you know, especially in light of perhaps. You know, further education, higher education. I didn't have the opp- opportunity to go to university, which is kind of strange now because I work in mainly universities. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of, I always say I settled for average. I felt I was average at a lot of things, and uh, just kind of fell into an average job um, again in the oil industry. And it was one of a succession of average jobs that I had. I even went to the Middle East at one point, and I was average out there as well. And uh, Came back home, was working really long hours. Um, I worked in cargo, uh, offloading oil and loading oil at Hound Point in, in the Rower Forth. And it was just long hours and driving all over Scotland in the middle of winter. And I thought, there must be more to life than this. And I found a, a nine-to-five job that was important to me with a, with a government agency, part of the benefits agency. And um, it was the first time I'd seen um, people actually be trained to do a job so we were put in a classroom and there was a succession of trainers and they were all brilliant and they all had different styles. And I thought that, that looks like an interesting thing to do. I wonder how you become, how you become a trainer. And uh, I think that was a turning point for me. That was, it was a point and I got the opportunity to do that, thankfully, which led me to today, but I felt it was a long, to go back to your question, to go a long meandering um, pathway to get to where it to find something that was really good at and I really enjoyed as well. So, I, I, yeah, I think it was a really, um, yeah, it was, not, it was a terrible experience sort of growing up and going through what I went through. You have to go through that, don't you? Mm. But, looking, but looking back on that, I, I, I just wish that someone had, had stepped in, had, had, had intervened 
and maybe giving me a different a different direction earlier. It'd be a lot easier, I think. What was there a particular low point in that where you thought I've I've, I've got to I've got to find what I want to do here. I've got to find a, a, a reason for what for you know basically find my why for for, for want of a better phrase. Yeah, a, a, a couple perhaps. You know, when I walked abroad, um, and I was just married as well, so I spent a long time away from home. So I'd work um, six weeks in Saudi Arabia, of all places, and then I moved to Dubai, Abu Dhabi, which is a slightly, you know, it's a lot more relaxed culture, isn't it? So we did eight weeks out there. So I, I think a lot of the time I was I was regretting that time being away from home and being away from my wife. Um and lots of low points in that, you know, you think, I mean, eight weeks doesn't sound a long time, but when, when you're out there, it's, you know, it's quite hard to get through that. And, um, you know, other occasions, you know, just, just standing in, in wet, wintry conditions on the top of a tank somewhere, like Aberdeen or somewhere, <laughs> measuring oil and being bombarded by seagulls is not the best, um, it's not the best job, is it? Um and I thought I just sort of came, came to the conclusion that I've, I've really had enough of this. I think um, I think there's something else I can do uh, do better than this. Yeah, and you, you mentioned as well that um, being a, a trainer fed your your desire to perform. Mm. Where because I'm, I'm I'm quite into obviously performance and and, and yes. speaking as well. <laughs> We've we're, seen it. We're an odd uh, we're an odd uh, breed. Uh, we're an odd breed. Uh, where, where did that come from? From you? Where, where did that stem from? It's interesting. I'm working on a project um, at the moment, down about um, introverts, and um, I believe that introverts can make great, great business people and, and be be great leaders. I strongly identify with introvert um, characteristics. So I've done, you know, Myers Briggs and DISC, and I, I always come out, you know, low eye on a DISC or or an eye on the on the Myers Briggs as an introvert. Um, and I think where does that where does that come from? And I think I was the eldest of three three boys, so I think there's something there as well. So I think if you're first in the family, um, I, I do think it, it tend you, you tend to be cautious, and I think your parents are overly cautious of you. So perhaps you don't take as many risks, and perhaps you are more reserved as you go into the world. Um, I, it certainly was that for me. It might be different for for people watching this, but th- that's what I felt. And I, I think I was quite an introverted. Um, boy um i i love music and when i was growing up in uh, in grangemouth in industrial scotland um i loved the beatles and the rolling stones and as a very very tiny kid i used to entertain the neighbors you know get a plank of wood and you pretend you're uh, playing Beatles songs on <laughs> the Rolling Stones, and my mum got great feedback from this. She should see your boy; he's he's he's, he's never stopped singing these these songs. And I'm kind of really young, you know, preschool age. And um, I suppose that's that's probably the only feedback I had, you know, that you know, in my childhood. I think it was kind of kind of positive as I look back on it. And I, I somehow kind of kind of pushed that to one side. You know, I've always been interested in music and and sort of performing music. And um, I got to do it later in life, you know, so I played in bands and, 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 and a duo with my wife, Fiona. So she's a terrific singer. So we used to go out and, you know, we needed, we needed money at one stage and we went out and we played around pubs in Scotland and we, we played for three or four hours a night. So uh, I guess the point I'm trying to get to is I think introverts are interesting, aren't they? Because I think they, do, they can be great performers. You know, I can, th- I can think of lots of actors and musicians that I think are, probably off the scale introverts but there is something about that performing 
Uh, it's maybe something maybe you even identify with. I've seen you do your your stand up stuff, which is amazing. Yeah. And it's just like a it's just like a switch goes on. It's just something else happens. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're absolutely right there. I mean, most people look at performers and, and, and musicians, especially, and think that they're extroverts. They have to be extroverts to get up on that stage and do that. But from what I've what I've heard, what what I've read, that the, the majority is that they are actually introverts, but they have a a flip switch. It's like being a mask. It's not them you're seeing on the stage. It's a performance. Yeah, M- Michael Jackson, for example, was very much like that. He was a massive introvert. Was he? Yeah. Massive introvert. Yeah, yeah. Yet when yeah. he got on the stage, he just turned into a different person. Yeah, that, that that that's how it is. I mean, I I remember from in school, for example, a lot of the teachers I had were quite dull, were yeah. quite monotone and uninspiring. But I had one teacher. Um, shout out to Chris Hamlet, if if, if anybody who remembers Chris is, is still listening to this. Um, well, who who was a fantastic teacher. He was a real performer, and he did classical civilization. So he was reading sort of Greek and Roman trilogies and and and. tragedies and comedies and stuff and he'd perform them and i always remember that to this day and i've seen a lot of trainers because i've been on a lot of courses myself and some are really dull and monotone whereas some are really inspiring how important do you think the difference is in terms of performance when you're training and when you're coaching people that's a great question i'm just reflecting on my own teachers strangely enough we had a Latin teacher who's who's the same. Maybe it's something about Mediterranean studies or something. But he was the same. He'd read out the characters from the the, the book, which I still remember. This day was Ecce Romani, <laughs> which I think means Luke Luke Roman or Luke Here Come the Romans. And he would read out the characters. Just came came straight back to me like that. Um, in terms of yeah, the, the performance side, um, I think it's really important. Um, having said that, I think authenticity is more important i think that you have to be authentic as a trainer as a public speaker you know we've both done a bit of speaking as well and i think you have to be relatable i think i think is the is the key there people have to buy into what you're saying and i've seen people do the kind of stagey thing you know the kind of stagecraft where it looks like someone has coached them you know like go and stand there or look this way or lean on the podium whatever whatever it is you know um and it, and it can sometimes uh, seem seem less genuine, I think. Um, so I think the important thing is discovering the real you, feeling feeling comfortable um, in the way that, that you deliver. And I think there is that sort of channeling of uh, of the performer. So I, I coach a lot of people on presentation skills, and they talk about nerves and how to overcome that. Uh, you might have some techniques as well, but I tend to channel the nerves as excitement. So I'm just excited to go on the stage, especially if it's like a big stage and we've got the lights and we've got the PA and the microphone and, and stuff. And I just kind of I channel that. And like you said, I just kind of flip a switch and then I'm into that mode. I'm still very much inside myself because I'm doing it for me to be, it's important that I'm really good. If the audience reaction is, is great as well, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Um, but it's not done in a kind of showy sense. It's done from, I, I, I would hope, a position of authenticity and that I've got a story to tell. And uh, so, you, like you say, you're weaving in those those stories, those anecdotes. Um, I love humour, so, so like bringing in, you know, making people laugh in a classroom or in a, in a speaking environment. It's just such a great thing, great thing to do because they relax. And I think if they're relaxed, um, they're more receptive to the message. So, yeah, it's really it's really key, I think. Yeah, no, I, I love what you said there about bringing in humour as well because 
I, I've heard many people say that when you're you're training people, when you're teaching people, the majority of people in the room will not really remember what they're told, but they will remember how they felt. Yeah, they'll remember the feeling, they'll remember the experience, they'll remember the emotion that they went through. And if you're teaching them about business, about things that they need to do to improve, or about yeah. being a better leader, they will feel that that motivation. They will feel or remember the feeling of it and, and that it was a positive experience and that they got a lot from it, as opposed to the nitty-gritty of what it was you actually showed them. Yeah, I, I, to, and to be brutally honest, I, I think a lot of the time, you know, we do the, the workbooks. I still do the workbooks. They're important, I think, as part of the learning experience. But, you know, I know a lot of the time they'll go in the draw somewhere and people forget about them. But I just want them to uh, go away and practice something or do, do like, one thing that's different. When we do the uh, presentation skills, I often... Ask, ask people, you know, what was the last concert you went to? And then we kind of break it down that. What was the last concert? And I was with some students, so they're obviously quite young. So I was thinking like Stormzy or some, something like that would be. And this, uh, this young man said, it was the Electric Light Orchestra. I said, you're joking, are you? And I said, I remember the, the ELO. And I said, what was it like? You know, so I tell people, like, what happened at the start? You know, when the, when the, the lights dim, you know, the show's about to start. Something happens at the start. I said, well, huge light show and there was lasers and then they came on they did a song so I can't remember what, what it was but it was one of the really well known ones right great and then there's an act of like three parts so they might do you know some hits they might do some slow stuff there might be some new material that they, they do off the new album and then and I said what happens then so we've got the middle section three parts that's not the end what happens at the end and she said well they kind of all went off yeah, right okay and then they came back on again and I said, so I bet they did, did one more song. And she's going, yeah, I bet I can guess what it is. Was it, was it Mr. Blue Sky? She's going, yeah, it was. <laughs> and I said, like, so, so that all finished. What, what, what happens when the audience goes out the auditorium? Could, could you hear what people were saying about it? She's going, yeah, we've just seen what a brilliant concert it was. Um, and, you know, and I said, but were they singing something? Could you hear people singing? She's going, yeah, they're singing Mr. Blue Sky on the way out. <laughs> I'm going, that's what you want people to do in your presentation in your workshop. Yeah. You want them to go out the room singing your big hit, your equivalent to Mr. Blue Sky. That's the, the one thing you want. You want to go away and do something with that. So I, I, I tend to be quite simplistic about workshops, presentations. Just think about what is it you want your audience to think, say, and do when they leave the room. It's not about giving information because We've got the technology now, Dan. We could just package up some slides and send it to people en masse. They're, you're in the room for a reason, and that's to connect with them and to get them to think, say, and do something when they when they go on the way out. So that's as simple as I can break it down, really. Yeah. I mean, we do a lot of workshops here, and I've I've only recently been made aware of this, this technique, uh, which we're starting to implement now, where as well as having the the running order of what you're training people, say, you know, 9 till 10, we're talking about branding, you know, 10 till 11, maybe we're talking about personal branding or whatever it may be. But alongside that, you've also got an emotional journey. What is it you want them to be experiencing between yeah. 9 till 10? What do you want them to be experiencing between 10 till 11? And it's something I've only recently become aware of, that the emotional journey you're taking people on during a training course is as important or maybe more important than the actual content that you're teaching them. Now, yeah. one, one thing I wanted to ask you, you particularly, because obviously you do a lot of this, how has it been different doing all of this, this sort of stagecraft, this teaching in the room, and then doing that online? Yeah, it's a great question. And 
to be honest with you, Dan, I think it's still something that we're all still developing. Um, it is very, very different. Um, I find uh, I'm possibly even more animated on screen. Um, so it's almost like you have to make yourself bigger and, and, and do more. Um, and obviously, come back to what I said before, in an authentic way that it's not, it's not too, it's not too stagey. I find myself sometimes like leaning forward, you know, almost like having a conversation, especially if it's like a small group, sort of leaning forward, and then we're, and I'm questioning and I'm asking, what do you think of that? And so, so what does that mean? And, and all that sort of stuff. So it's like having a kind of dialogue through the through the screen. So it's very, very different, and you've only got this. Um, you don't have the full range of of body language. Um, I think pace is important. I think you need to do stuff in chunks so people can digest it. Um, I think you have to involve them. So um, interactive whiteboards, for example, um, doing polls, getting word clouds, um, all of that stuff. So it's about making it as uh, rich an experience as you can. But like I say, I think we're all still learning the craft. You're only two years into this i've been standing on my feet training stuff for the last 20 odd years so it's um it's a, it's a very different environment interestingly you know we we run um quite long programs we were a center for ilm which is the qualifications arm of the institute of leadership and management and we do a coaching program now for years um when we we're based in liverpool you know people would have to travel to center there and we, we would train that out and uh, you know, since the pandemic, we've run about three or four cohorts, uh, all learning how to become coaches and mentors through ILM, and they love it because it's really accessible. They can dial in from anywhere in the, in the country. Again, we try and make it really interactive, lots of practice sessions, and um, I don't think there's any real difference in the in the quality of the program. I, th- I think for me, it still feels better being in the room with them because I can kind of observe them a bit more. But in terms of their experience, yeah, it's, it's been great. It's been great so far. And when you're 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 coaching people, when you're you're training people, because I, I mean, I, I found this as well. Some people are more receptive than others to new ideas. Some people are more receptive than others to change. Uh, what do you think makes um, makes a leader or a business owner be receptive to change? Uh, so, so the leader themselves, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it has to. Um, it's a great question. Um, I think there has to be a motivation there, doesn't it? There has to be a real motivation to learn because we, um, you know, we all want to do things. So, so I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment, and I'm already, I'm already starting to get a little bit concerned. I'm, I'm not quite putting in as much as I as I wanted to, or as, as I hope hope to do, because life gets in the way a lot of the time, your business, your life gets in the way. So there has to be a real desire um, to to do that, to, to to achieve your goal, to achieve the outcome. Um, I think that's, um, that's, that's, that's an, ob- an obvious one. Um, I think you have to be receptive to feedback, which, which is quite tricky sometimes. You know, we all say, yeah, feedback, feedback. But w- when you receive feedback, you know, it, it's just in the slightest like comment. It's like you know, we we do like evaluation sheets, and like don't get me wrong, usually they're pretty great. But sometimes <laughs> you just get a little comment that sort of works. You, you focus on that one comment, but I think is there something in there I can learn from that? You know, even if I don't agree with it, you know, 
you know, if I don't particularly agree with what they're saying, it is information and it's incumbent on me to take that information on board and, and to learn from it. Um, so I, I think that's that's a key thing to um, take feedback on board as well and uh, and be receptive to change as well um, that we're not stuck in our stuck in our ways and sometimes we need a good kick up the backside for instance why didn't uh, why didn't we do the online courses before through zoom you know I'd used zoom a couple of times I hadn't found it a comfortable experience and I kind of if I'm honest I kind of put it to one side and then we had to use it and then now we're all using it and I do my coaching my one-to-one coaching uh, online as well which was sort of, again something I thought about but the pandemic forced us to forced us to change so I think they're, they're the, the key elements I think you have to be receptive to coaching feedback and 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 change and recognize the benefits of that that change first and foremost feedback is is, is an important one because nobody likes getting negative feedback but if you don't get negative feedback then you you don't improve i listened to um a podcast just just the other day um uh, stephen bartlett's diary of a ceo podcast where okay. he was interviewing simon sinek who wrote the, oh, yeah. the start yeah, yeah. with why book and yeah. simon talked about how he gets businesses in a room together quite far down the coaching process he said you can't do this early on where you'll get the leaders of the businesses and you'll get junior people in the businesses and they will give brutal honest feedback to each person one by one as they go around the room and the person is not allowed to give any response to that feedback other than thank you yeah he said that's a really interesting way to get the views of what your people you work with who are senior to you who are junior to you and what they think about you and make you realize that maybe what you thought about yourself isn't quite true Mm -hmm. do you go through tasks like that with businesses when you help them on on giving sort of 360 feedback and and being really open with each other yeah we 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 have done uh, especially on our our coaching programs especially but yeah there's there's lots of exercises like that you know things like musical chairs where we actually you're rotating and you're so you and i might be uh, face to face and then we give each other feedback then you move on to the to the next person um i think it's always that um that balance, isn't it, about making the learning experiences challenging without really damaging someone. So sometimes you have to kind of tread that line a little bit, a little bit carefully. Um, sometimes there's emotion involved in that. I come across a lot of emotion in my in my job, and there's a way there's a way of dealing with it. Um, but the emotion is is helpful um, because it helps us to kind of process you know, um, that information. So, so if the information is uncomfortable or unpleasant or challenging, the emotion helps us kind of uh, process that. And there is learning to be had from that. And actually everything's okay. Um, so, yeah, so, so I'm a, a big believer in challenging, uh, challenging businesses. Uh, another uh, thought just occurred to me there is about having cohorts you know like action learning sets or mastermind groups uh so they can be quite challenging as well because you're surrounded by your peers you've probably been involved in these stuff where you bring a, a business issue to the table mm. and then you get some sort of response uh, intervention from the people around the uh, around the room um and that that can be really tricky for uh, business owners because 
the business is their their baby, and then suddenly they're getting uh, challenge challenges about it from a good place, but still it can feel a little bit discomforting. So when we're running those uh, sorts of events, you have to really set, set that up uh, quite quite carefully. It's not the sort of thing you just let people do what they want. You've got to kind of set some parameters around it. But that's a great environment for for learning because you might have six different perspectives around the table. You might not take them all, but there will be lots of learning to be had in that. And you might just take away one nugget from every session, which is well worth doing, I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I've, I've been involved in a, a couple of groups that have done action learning. Um, there was one I was in, in in Liverpool, in Liverpool Hope University. I think it was uh, a guy called Mark Nugent, I think, that was running it. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, you come in with a problem and then obviously you've got confidentiality. You're not allowed to you know, talk about outside the room what the business's problems are. Sure. But yeah. each week one person would have a separate problem within their business then everybody else would give their input on it. And the chances are that somebody else in a different business has experienced either a very similar or an identical problem to what you were going through before, and mm-hmm. they, they, they've solved it. And I found that really useful, more so for me looking at the, the, the problems that other businesses have. I was about to say, yeah. Yeah, because I, I found that yeah. that's kind of what, what made me want to actually get into to training in a way. Because so I thought yeah. I, I was actually, surprisingly, I was giving really good advice, and I, I, that, that surprised me. That surprised me, because normally I, I, don't, I don't put myself in other people's positions very well but when i was yeah. listening to that i was doing that and I, I i i really enjoyed it and i found it extremely useful to to also guard against future problems that you may may have with businesses on different levels to you some were much further advanced some were not were a bit, bit behind where we were so yeah completely agree absolutely love that um, yeah there's so many uh benefits to that that's 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 another benefit of it so so you can be the presenter as we call it and then you can get the input into your issue or, or you can be watching another presenter present their issue and you're gaining from the insights around, around the room. But the third one, Dan, which I think is really, really important is, um, and the way, the way I do action learning assess is to um, train or you know, guide the, the group into asking really open questions. So rather than give advice, we, we start to listen and we start to get curious. And this is a big theme of mine actually all the time these days is, how can we listen better and how can we ask really incisive and insightful questions that can, that can lead someone to their own conclusions and their own path. And I think that's, a, that's a, going to be an increasing leadership skill because of the complexity now of work. The, the, the environments we're working in are so complex. And if you think about the amount of information we have access to, the way we communicate, it's a really complex picture. And leaders, I don't think, have the capacity and the resources to constantly give advice because we just might not know the answer. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's, it's more important to ask the right questions. So we, we spend a lot of time in uh, our coaching programs. I was with a group last week talking about coaching skills at university, just developing really great conversational skills and asking the right questions. And it's amazing how much you can get just by listening to someone and asking the odd question here and there. Yeah. I mean, what, what one question I wanted to ask you, other than being receptive to feedback, 
what makes a good business leader? Ooh, how long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the great one of the great privileges of my life, and I know you guys were involved in it. And it's about ten years since we finished the program. Uh, was was um, facilitating the lead program on Merseyside, and we had cohorts of about uh, twenty five business owners on on that uh, that program, and we rolled it out over several years, and it was such a great experience for us as. As a as a company to you know, to 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 actually get that contract in the first place and to be entrusted to do that was was brilliant, and we got great feedback because of the way we 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 delivered it. Um, but the be- I mean the best thing was seeing the growth of the the leaders. And there's several I was thinking about this one. There's several businesses that have gone on to do extraordinary things or extraordinary growth. They are proper brand names across Merseyside. Um, the key thing when everyone kind of arrived was the lack of confidence in the room. Every, everyone thought, a bit like your action learners actually done, everyone thought that everyone else had a better business than them. Mm. Everyone thought that uh, everyone else was a better leader than them. And we just stripped everything right back and we, we, we sort of bonded that group, set the, set the kind of parameters and off, off they went. And, and they had such a brilliant experience and when I asked them at the end of it what did you get from the program the surprising or unsurprising response was confidence mostly they said it was confidence in myself to go out and lead and uh, you know we spent a lot of time helping them to recognize that they are leaders for someone they just thought I've set up a business you know I'm managing a business and one of the great principles of a program like that was about something I call the salience of leadership. It comes from Professor Steve Steve Kempster, who was involved in, in lead. But he talked about the salience of leadership, which is if you recognize leadership as a prominent skill set in your in your in your role, if you start to recognize it, you can then start to practice it as a specific thing. Yeah, it's not just another training course you're on, it's not just another another thing but leadership is salient to you it's, it, it it means something and you can recognize and that's what we did so we started to recognize their own leadership attributes and characteristics and they had the coaches and they had the action learning uh, sets and we had masterclass uh, speakers with uh, people like chris bonnington um all of that all that stuff was was, was factored in um so I think it's that sort of confidence in yourself, recognizing you are a leader. And I think about developing trust and authenticity. I think that's going to be really, really important. Developing trust as a leader so that people will follow you, that they have the confidence to follow you, that you're not seen as having an agenda or, or you're not in it for yourself. You're there very much in service of the people you lead. So if you're running a business like yours, Dan, you, and, and you guys do this because I've seen your videos and the stuff you do on social media where you're kind of celebrating the team members. So they are the heroes of the story and you're putting them at, at the at front and foremost in that. And if you do that, people trust you because they realise you're not in it for yourself. You're in it for some higher ideals. So that's what I'd do. If, if I was running a business, I'd think, what, you know, why am I doing this? What, what what's what's my purpose here as a leader recognize that you are a leader and start to practice leadership and develop that kind of authentic authentic approach 
one based on on trust um, and responsibility. Mm. And you will find that people will, will, will follow you. They will do things, they'll do extraordinary things because they believe in you as, 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 the, as the leader. And you'll find, I think everything else just kind of falls away. You know, they can, you know, problems and grievances and all that sort of stuff. You'll see less of that. And you'll see more of the things that you want to see, which is people really enjoying the, the job and going the extra mile yeah. um, in, in the work they do. You know, as, as you were talking about then, talking about the, the lead program, which which you're right, we, we as Engage Web, we did that, I think it was, about, it was about 10 years ago, wasn't it? I think we, It was, yeah. It finished in 20, 2012, but it, it had a <laughs> profound effect on many people. As you were talking about that, I was remembering that. I was remembering it was at uh, one, one of the... One of the regular sessions, I think, was a bird sanctuary. I think it was. Right. Yeah. It was yeah, really right. beautiful, really beautiful place. I think it was a really joyous experience to go to because it was just a nice yeah. experience. And I remember we, we we did that, and I think you had um, Andy Bounds, I think, as a, as a speaker. Andy was a speaker several event. times with Paul McGee, a yeah. similar guy. And I thought I've I've done lots of stuff like that. I've done the lead program. I've done stuff with a company called Progressive Success. I've I've done stuff with um, Mark Nugent in Liverpool, um, and of course I've been on Ascentive as well. Yes, yeah, that's another. There's so many different programs that I've been on that I've, I've only just realised now. I've been doing this for maybe ten, fifteen years, going on all of this stuff, and taking things from all of them, taking mm-hmm. things from all of them, yet. When I go to, say, for example, a BNI meeting, which I know you, you've been a big part of yourself, there are sometimes members there that say, "Oh, I don't need to go on this training because I've done it." Yeah. What would you say to people who have the attitude or or the belief that I've done a coaching course, I don't need to do one again. I've done a particular program, I don't need to do one again. Yeah, and you sometimes come come across that, and 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 I get that. And I think sometimes there's a misconception sometimes about what the training's about, um, you know, and, and so programs like the lead program or incentive, or you've you're, you've really got to distill that down to what I what are you getting out of it? It's like selling any product, isn't it? What am I getting out out of that? And it's quite tricky with that because it's it can mean different things to different people. Um, you know, people that have been on our programs, for some it was about confidence, for some it was about building relationships with other people, for some it was about um, making really difficult decisions in their business, you know, to the point of Jetson, uh, a business partner, I can, I can remember as one example. So it can mean many, many different things to different people because it's kind of a little bit conceptual. The, the key thing I always ask people are, you know, how's it, how's it going in your business? How's it going? And because there's always something in there, and generally it's about um, it's about time. It's about they don't have enough time as leaders. They don't have enough money or clients, or they don't have um, systems and processes and, and the organisation to do things effectively. It generally falls in these these sort of three three categories, I would say. Um, so there's always something. So I, I don't really start with here's a program. You know, do you want to be on it? It's really about trying to find out what is your biggest challenge in business. I mean, it seems an obvious question, doesn't it? But, you know, what is your biggest challenge in business? And then, you know, having a conversation about that, what would it be like if you didn't have that, you know, towards something that's really good or away from something that's really bad? What would that What would that be like? Hmm. And then it's a conversation about how I might be able to help with that. And it's, it's where I start, especially with my... Uh, one-to-one coaching um i just 
set up a, what I call a chemistry meeting just to find out about them because I don't know, Dan, if I can help them or not. I don't know if I've got the right uh, skill set. You know, if they're looking for something specific, so say they want um, something around the finances of the business or cash flow or one of those things, it's not going to be me because that's not my that's not my expertise. If it's about the mindset, if it's about creating a vision for the business, if it's about overcoming um, their internal beliefs and confidence, then I'm probably the guy. You know, I'm, I'm much better equipped to to deal with that. So my it's very conversational, and it's like, what's your challenge? And then weaving that, you know, sort of converting that into a conversation about, okay, what sort of help might you might you need in your business? So it's as simple as that, really. Mm. So speaking of challenges in, in business then, um, is, is there any particular challenge that you've you've helped a business owner with come to mind or the biggest challenge you've helped somebody overcome and what the resolution was, obviously without giving details because you can't do that? Yeah, um, lots. I'm just, I'm just looking down. So I, I made a few notes before we, we, we came on. Um, I think a lot of stuff around about growth Around about business growth and client client acquisition. So we've we've had clients um, who've had extraordinary uh, growth that have been on been on uh, programs. So um, again, try not to sort of breach confidentiality here, but some someone who's got multiple sites now, uh, which is starting to become a really large business from being like one site in St Helens. They've been on our leadership program. We've had. Uh, success with people uh, on things like the incentive program where they've gone on to uh, yeah quite recently uh, notions of writing a book and presenting their brand in a different way and now they are a published author of I think two or three books and they're now out there as the go-to person in that particular field and that was a that was I can remember that conversation was was um, a move away from from being a, like a consultant, so so in some of the well-being arena, so so booking appointments and you'd go and do be that sort of one-to-one consultation, and then it was through the coaching that actually is that what you really want to do, or is there a is there a, a bigger outcome? Is there is there a larger goal there? And it was actually well, I can. This is great stuff I've got. How can I get that to as many people as I can? I can see one person and help one person, or I can package this stuff up in a, in a way and then get it out to loads of people. So she's now working with um, you know educational institutes, um, uh, training staff on, on well-being, and with several publications now out there and a, and a podcast on on the way. So that's the sort of thing I, I, I like to think I had a, at least a, at least a part in, uh, in in helping them with. Okay, you you mentioned incentive a couple of times now. Um, yeah, I've, I've obviously we, we've done Ascentive uh, at Engage Web, and I found it hugely useful. There's there's three things in particular I took from from Ascentive that we we still use and make good good purpose of today. One was how you target and define your specific customer that you're looking for, as opposed yeah. to just throwing darts at a board and seeing what what hits best. And it's about going after that I, that really really targeted customer. One is I've never heard anyone else talk about at any sort of coaching thing, and that's about keeping in touch with your referral partners and thanking them for referrals and introductions that you've had, even if it's just a postcard. Yeah. Constant contact. 
But the the big one for me is the what they call the ECC, the emotionally charged connection. And that's essentially finding your your why, your reason for doing it. And it's a deep yeah. down personal reason for doing it. That it, it got quite emotional in the group when we went it's through that. Much. And there were some really yeah. good stories coming out of that. Uh, that. That the personal trainer, for example, had a really, really deep-rooted reason why he was doing what he was doing. And, uh, and another friend of mine, who I won't tell you what it was, but Shoran Go, she won't mind me mentioning it, who, who's oh, Utility sure. Warehouse. Shoran has a really, really good emotionally charged connection. And when you find this out, it helps you understand better why you're doing what you're doing. It's not something you necessarily share with everybody, or you might share variations of the story with everybody, but it really helps you do that. Now, I often get asked by people, for example, who are in, in B&I, what is Ascentive? Should I do it? Is it worth doing? What did you get out of it? Can you can you tell us sort of essentially what is incentive and why should people be doing it? I I, I think you've explained it quite well actually. Because no. um, I, I was so when when I first became aware of incentive, which which is a global organisation there, and they are experts in referral marketing or another way you could describe it is relationship development, mm. and it is about acquiring. At its essence, it is about acquiring the sort of business that you want to acquire for the sort of money you want to be paid. So we always talk about an amazing business and a spectacular life. And those two things have to come together because some people work far too hard, don't they? They're not, they don't have the lifestyle mm. to go with it. Or they're chasing their really small jobs. They're working really hard. They're not getting paid a lot. So it's about, well, what's the work you really want to do? What's the work you really enjoy doing? And that you will get mo- most value from. And how does that complement the sort of lifestyle and it's that connection isn't it with the lifestyle it's, it's, it's a purpose of why am I doing it you know you're doing it for your family you know you're doing it uh, you're doing it for your own self-esteem you know what, what is that you want to have three holidays a year whatever it is but it has to complement what we are what you want in your life um and it's essentially it's a coaching program which I think strips it back to these basic questions like the emotionally charged connection why why are you doing this so working with accountants been working with um uh, personal trainers well-being practitioners uh, plumbers uh, builders like why do you do what you do and there's always a story behind it there's always a great story behind why they do what they do and recognizing that then building that vision for the business so start basically what's the vision for your business and it's amazing how few small business owners actually have that clarity of thought around that. So, well, if that's your vision, then what do you do then to achieve that vision? And we break it down. We, we break it down into strategies and tools they can use to get the sort of business that's going to help them on the way to that, that vision. Um, so, I, and I came across it and I was a bit in, in a bit of a, a rut. I went through a period where um, things weren't uh, working out for us. Um, and I felt like I kind of lost my way a little bit. And um, it was my colleague, Dave Verberg. I think, I think you know Dave. Dave's well-known in Merseyside. And he said, um, do you want to come for a beer, John? I'm always open to that. So that's, that's a good thing. And um, I said, what are you doing, Dave? He said, I'm doing this incentive thing. Uh, oh, that sounds interesting. And um, to be honest, cash flow was a bit sticky. I thought, can I invest in this at the moment? And I quickly realized, I decided to do it. But I quickly realised that, um, yeah, this is the sort of thing that I've been, need- I've been needing. I've been needing that. 
external influence. I, I needed some input into my business to help me move forward and to help me stop the way I was feeling about my business and to energize me and to point in the right direction. And, uh, and I loved it. And I went off to Portugal to do the accreditation and so I became an accredited um, coach uh, for, for Ascentive. So, um, yeah, that's my involvement. So, but I think you explained it really, really well in terms of like the, the, the key messages from it. But obviously it's about, it's about practice, isn't it? It's about implementing these things. And it's all very well saying have a referral strategy or a strategy for thanking people, but it's actually it's the, the doing that's important and the accountability that exists within within incentive. But I think, you know, earlier question about co- coaching as well. I believe everyone should have a coach. Certainly, certainly everyone that's running a business, I think, should have a coach. And I'm not doing that as a pitch pitch for me, but I think everyone should think about it. I have a coach. And he says there's three things you need. You need you need cash flow in your business. So you need to make sure you've got the cash coming in. You need to create time and you need to have a coach. The three three things that he says and keeps things very, very simple. And and I think he's I think he's right. So certainly people watching this might consider um, do you have a coach for you in your in your career, your business? Um, and if and if you don't, is it something that you think could really uh, really help you move forward? It's, it's interesting you say that that everybody should have a coach i actually took part in, a, in an online argument which will surprise many people listening to this um which which had one business coach in this group saying that he didn't have a coach he didn't need a coach because he'd learned everything he needed to learn but if people wanted to contact him for coaching these were his details and i could i could i know yeah i, I go beyond interesting i think the guy was an idiot but I, <laughs> I, I can I cannot fathom why anybody would go. I don't need a coach because I'm brilliant, but I will happily coach you. So like, well, what happens when your knowledge runs out? You know, I mean, even Richard Branson has a coach. You know, yeah. even even in Bill Gates has a coach. Everybody, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. Yeah. Everybody has a coach. There's always someone who can teach you something. And I, I don't understand people who think I know everything. I can do it on my own. I don't need you. It's, it's not even about teaching or done. You know, I, I, and I, I'm very flexible in terms of the coaching I do and, and I teach coaching skills. So we can be really directive as a coach or mentor. In other words, offer advice and you know, that sort of thing. That's at one end of the spectrum. Or you can be completely non-directive, whereas you're pretty much like a listening post for, for people. And uh, for me, the coach is just a thinking space. So it's a space to think and to address any challenges that you have. Now, you might know everything, yeah, or might think you know everything, but then next week you might hit a challenge that you're not that knocks your confidence, uh, for, for one. You know, it might just knock you off track, or you don't know how to deal with it, or you procrastinate. The coach is there to help you work through that challenge. So I, I employ my coach. We meet two times uh, a month at least, and um, we, we, we just continually work on the themes that I'm experiencing as a business owner at that time. And it's, and it's a moving feast. It always is. Like I said earlier, like modern life is really complex mm. and life gets in the way. I've been throwing some big life challenges in the last six months and life just gets in the way sometimes. And the coach is that safe place that you can go to where you can uh, 
you can talk about it. And again, I'd ask anyone watching this, do you have that space? Do you have someone that's really going to listen to you? That's not going to necessarily tell you what to do, but it's going to feel safe for you to talk about the things that's really bothering you and the things that you really want to do in your life. That's 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 why I think, and I respectfully disagree with the, the gentleman that <laughs> you came across, but um, that's why I think everybody needs a coach. Mm. I think it's particularly important if you are in business on your own. Because yeah. if you run a business yourself, and maybe you have, maybe you have a team, maybe you have outsourcers, maybe you, it's just you. There isn't really anybody you can talk to on an equal keel. You know, you, you could talk to your wife or your husband or your partner or your, your your siblings. If unless they're running businesses, they don't know what you're going through. They don't know the challenges. You know, yeah. the, the guy down the pub isn't gonna help you grow your business or help you with your staffing problems or or help you with your your, your marketing advice or, or anything that you want to do. You just need somebody that you, you can literally sound off. And I, I've done this before where I'll just talk about a problem. And then as I'm talking about it, I it kind of come to the solution myself because it's like, well, that's a brilliant one. I, I, I knew that, but until I said it, I didn't really know that that's what was going to happen. It happens a lot. I'll tell you a quick, quick story. So I was delivering our ILM coaching program. I was to some university people. So my, uh, in my main business, my, my target audience is universities. So great people. I just love working with them. So they're on this ILM five uh, program. We went through the various sessions and I think we were probably about three or four sessions in. I said, well, how's everyone getting on with their coaching? Tell me, tell me, have you, have you managed to do some coaching yet? And one of them said, John, he says, I feel a fraud. And I said, why do you feel a fraud? He said, well, he says, um, I've got a client. He says, I'm not a coach. I call them clients. I, I, um, I've got a client and we, we were doing a session and he came to the session and he had a problem uh, in, in his workplace. I said, that's good. So what happened then? He said, well, you know, asked him about the problem and then he just started telling me about the problem and, you know, he explained it all. And then he started to um, think about the reasons for the problem and he, he was he was still talking. I said, what were you doing? He said, I was just kind of nodding and I was listening and, you know, encouraged. And then he started to think about some some options and, and sort of possibilities that he could maybe uh, try to address the problem. I said, what were you doing there? I was just listening and I was... <laughs> and then he came to a decision and he decided what actions he was going to take um, to address this problem. I said, what did you do? And he says, well, I just encouraged him and said, that's, that, that sounds, sounds really good. I said, I just felt a fraud. I said, what did the client think? They thought it was brilliant. They thought it was the most amazing hour they've ever had. I said, well, there you go then. I said, all you did was you created the environment for somebody to do their very best thinking. That's, I'm such a fan of this. There's a book called, um, and I knew I'd end up mentioning it, Time to Think by Nancy Klein. And she talks about thinking partners and about creating the thinking environment. Mm. And she's worse from the premise that people have already done all the thinking they need to do on a particular subject when they come to you. You know, it's been going around their head. Yeah. And all you're doing is you're kind of creating the space to kind of facilitate that thinking. So which my guy did extraordinarily well sounded a brilliant session because he didn't interrupt he didn't he didn't take him off track he just created that nice space and the client was really happy with it i thought i've got i've now know what i need to do thank you very much one 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 question i wanted to ask um touching back on to to, to incentive slightly um 
as a business coach and as, 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 a, as, as a mentor and a trainer, you must have seen a lot of programs over the years that maybe have been pitched to you or that you've been on or that you've seen. What was it about Ascentive that made you think, yes, that one? It was probably the beer, I think. Was, uh, <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't. It's like I knew Dave, and um, I didn't know Dave that that well. He's a really good friend of mine now. So we, we actually developed a relationship and ended up working together, and we, we still do do stuff together. Um, I just realised from the from the way he described it, you know, this about having a pipeline of clients that you want to work with, and about the lifestyle and the business coming together. And it, it sounded, at, at that time, the way I was feeling, and this was about six or seven years ago, and there was, there was lots of stuff going on in my life at that time as well. I, I wasn't in a, in a great place, um, which isn't great if you're a trainer or, or a coach, but I, I really wasn't in a, in a good place then. And um, it just sounded, that's, that's kind of what I, that sounds like what I need. It sounds like, I realised I needed help. Down again, it goes back to your earlier question about you know business owners. It's just recognising you can't do all of this yourself, and it's actually it's okay to seek help from other people. And I think a lot of us go around with a bit of the mask on. And I've seen lots of you know, and and the, don't get me wrong, they're brilliant at it. And I've had people on programs got worn the mask really well. Everyone great, wow. Mm. And then you get talking to them. And it's really not great. Uh, so I think it's just about, um, for me, it's about recognising that, that um, I needed help at that time. And this programme sounded like the sort of thing that was going to help me help me move forward. Um, and it was the relationship as well. So I, I trusted the person who was offering it to me. Okay. And as, as, a, as a final question, John, if, if someone listening to this realises that they also need help, that they also would like to talk to somebody to, to get the kind of help that, that you offer. What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you? Yeah, exactly that. Just get in touch, john.drysdale at noguru.net, N-O-G-U-R-U.net, noguru.net, and uh, set up a call. And we can chat just the way that you and I are chatting today. Um, uh, I have that initial meeting, like I say, just to, just to see if I can help. And that's help whether it's the person individually or if they have a business and some teams that they want they want some help with, then we can equally do that. So it's just that initial um, conversation. I don't like to call it a consultation, but it's a conversation to see if I can help or not. And, and importantly, whether they th- they think I'm right for them, because I might not be the right person, or they might not be the right fit. Or you know, it's really important. That I think there is that chemistry that we can we can work together. So yeah, just drop me a line on the on the email address and we can set something up. Okay. Thank you very much, John. Thank you very much for joining me today. I Thanks totally, for totally me. appreciate your time. Oh!